You're listening to Historical AF, or if you cuss like we do, Historical As Fuck. This is your bootylicious librarian, Ashley. (laughs) And I am your wino historian, Kina. We're here to deliver the funny, weird, spooky, morbid, and random historical nuggets you never knew you needed. Yes, my my husband picked out bootylicious, and I let him. That is amazing. I enjoy it. Welcome to episode eight. Oh my god, we are at episode eight. We're so close to double digits. Oh, yeah. I can almost taste those delicious double digits. (laughs) Ah, And this week, it's very special, special theme that our Patreon members picked. Because it is the topic that created this podcast. Yes, yes. I'm so pumped. I've been wanting to do this topic for forever. And it is literally why we started the podcast. Yes. So in my story, I will go into depth as to how this got created. But yes, I'm very excited because it seems to be a uh, weird topic. Do we want to wait until we start so we don't scare them off? (laughs) Yes. Yes. We will say that. uh, No, actually, we won't. We will wait. wait. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. We'll just wait till I kick it off. I figure I'll go first and be like, boom, in your face. That's a good call. But yeah, so how was your week? Oh man, it was a wild ride. So it started out really good. I saw Hamilton on Broadway. So jealous. Oh my god, I, it blew my mind. I was like tearing up. I got chill, like cheers, chills. <laughs> I can English. Cheers. But then my mom was in the hospital. But you guys, my mom is like. The, most badass strong woman I know. So she's in the hospital having an angiogram. Most people would be like, oh my God, this is scary and terrifying, blah, blah, blah. My mom's like, all I get is like A&E. I guess that's pretty cool because then I can watch, you know, Walking Dead, but <laughs> I just want to be home so I can watch Netflix. <laughs> I'm like, mom. Bless her heart. Yeah, it didn't phase her at all. She just wanted to be home with her pupper and watch TV, but you know. But she's good. She's home. She's doing much, much better. It was a preventative one this time. So Ah, genetics, man. (laughs) And now she's back home with Netflix and the dog. Yes. Yes. Apparently he was uh, very happy to see her. But yeah, you know, I've always heard the heart disease was the number one killer of women in the United States, but I don't think I paid that much attention to it. And I even had that DNA test done, and it said my number one risk factor was heart disease. And I remember my mom being like, we don't have heart disease in the family. And then, cute, three months later, she's having a double bypass. So, yeah, genetics, guys. (laughs) Man, they, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, genetics are kind of terrible. Yeah, PSA, take care of yourself young. (laughs) Yes, yes, and yeah. Which wine, red wine, is good for heart health, so... Yay me. I I can't get into red wine. I really want to, but every time I've drank it, I'm just like doing that real weird bitter face, but I can take a shot of whiskey. No problem. I don't, I'm in, I'm in a conundrum. I don't know. Well, this is a sweet red table wine that I got at that wine tasting I went to. So. Oh yeah. Super fancy. Might have to try that. It has a little pig on it. So that's precious. (laughs) Other than that, I think my week's been pretty good. I'm getting over the plague that you gave me somehow through the internet because we did see each other in an internet virus in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking it real world. Uh, yeah. So how was your week? <laughs> my week was okay. It was kind of a down week, but I'm I'm on the up and up, and um, 
I have a migraine because once again, we're recording on a day that it is raining slash thundering slash lightning. So my head is pounding because that's just that happens every I mentioned it last week. That happens every week when we record either it is currently raining and storming or it's about to rain and storm and we're trying to get the recording in really fast before it starts it's true yeah we're supposed to get rain tonight but the sun's out and it's like a thousand degrees so it's been raining here a lot but yeah so i'm i'm making it slowly but surely somehow i volunteered my house for a brunch this weekend so i have to clean the whole thing and i'm not looking forward to that because it's it's bad but you know Mm. whatever yeah, I have a friend from grad school coming next week, so I'll have oh, to yeah. do the same. So, yay! Yep. I am excited. He's like, he's like the male version of me. Like, really it's kind is. of, it's almost startling. So, yeah, him and his wife are coming to visit. Should be pretty fun. Do all the Texas touristy things. He's going to like a hipster concert. Sorry, David, you know it's hipster. <laughs> so, we are not partaking of that, but we will hang out with them the next day. <laughs> I won't judge you for it, David. I'm sorry. I mean... I'm probably being pretty judgy. It's just, I don't know. But there weren't any seats left by him, so that's why we're not going. But Nice. Sure, I've never heard sure. of them. If it's not Foo okay. Fighters, I probably don't care. Let's be Big real. Yeah. <laughs> so, you said you are drinking a sweet table wine this week. In honor of our topic, which we will get to in a little bit, I wanted to get, like, extra trashy with it. So, I am drinking <laughs> grape Smirnoff ice. Oh, a man. la 2008, 2009, 2010, oh, Ashley. Yeah, that takes me back. <laughs> back when we played Flip Cup in people's garages and <laughs> had superhero-themed parties. And, oh, my God. Oh, man. <sighs> I had a different experience. <laughs> yes. And I was, like, bumping Jane Deere girls today to get real throwback with it, like, 2011. Like, I just wanted to get in touch with my, like, more fun raunchy younger self the suspense of our topic must be killing them oh my god i'm so pumped i like was sitting here doing my notes and trying not to tell terry about it because he came home early so like he's watching tv and i'm over here writing my notes and i'm just like giggling to myself the whole time and i was just like i want to tell you wait no i can't i won't tell you i won't tell you And he's like okay and then later i'm like i gotta tell you oh no i won't tell you so yeah i'm super pumped yeah I'm so excited. Do we want to just go into it? Just yes, do it? let's just rip the band off. On in. Yeah. All right, let's do this. All right, so you guys, I was out with my husband. We were at a bar. Big shocker, I know. And uh, he ordered a Rasputin beer. And me being me was like, hey, did you know that Rasputin, you know, apparently had a giant dong and it was magical. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? Which is the normal reaction when he talks to me. It's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So then he Googled it and this big list came in. (laughs) The first thing was like 12 historic dicks. And he was like, oh, dear God. So then I immediately, (laughs) when I get home, text Ashley and I was like, I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) We need to do a podcast that's humorous and morbid and weird so that we can do historical dicks. So there you go, guys. (laughs) I was like, fuck yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's some sharp turns in there, but that's how we got to where we're at. It was a way to uh, talk about the completely hilarious and weird things about history that people don't talk about. 
Yeah, so now we're going to talk about historical dicks. And yeah, this oh, was yeah. chosen by our Patreon, finally. <laughs> it's been on the poll every week. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Patreon. Oh, God, yeah. Thank you, guys. Oh, man. All right, so here she is. The mythical and magical member of Grigory Rasputin. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. So, Rasputin was born into a peasant family in Siberia, Russia, around 1869. Oh, oh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) After failing to become a monk and getting a bomb-ass nickname of the Mad Monk, Rasputin became a wanderer and eventually entered the court of Tsar Nicholas II because of his alleged healing abilities. He was a legend, wait for it, Dairy mystic. <laughs> get it? Get it? Okay. Yes. <laughs> and was known for his prophetic powers. He became a favorite of Nicholas's wife, Alexandra Fyodorovna, who... Uh-huh. Shout yes. out. But his political influence was pretty minor at the time. But he cemented his relationship with the Tsar and Tsarina when he supposedly helped alleviate their son Alexei's hemophilia. His alleged healing powers continue to be debated today, which in history terms mean it's full of shit. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Happy accident. Yes. So, Rasputin practiced an unusual and rather convenient form of Christianity that combined a traditional Christian ritual with some pretty loose sexual practices. He allegedly took noblewomen such as Tsarina Alexandra, Nicholas II's wife, and the Empress herself as lovers. And his exploits have been a crucial part of his legacy and today's story. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. He was uh, rumored to be pretty great in bed. So much so, in fact, one woman claimed that she had such an intense orgasm that she fainted. This is history yes. books, y'all. This is okay. <laughs> I did not learn about this in eighth grade. <laughs> I mean, do you think people would pay more attention? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Honestly. Absolutely. <laughs> And according to the 1978 song by Euro disco group Bonnie M, Bonnie M, I don't think I ever knew what they were actually called. Anyway, they're obviously a trusted source of historical accuracy. <laughs> Rasputin was Russia's greatest love machine. Have you heard that song? Love like, machine. There he goes, rah, rah, Rasputin, Russia's oh. greatest love machine. <laughs> yes. It was literally like on Just Dance. And all the teens at work would be dancing to it. And I'm like, don't listen to the lyrics, kids. Don't do it. Yikes. <sighs> but Rasputin became swept up in the events of the Russian Revolution and met a brutal death at the hands of assassins in 1916. On the night of December 29, 1916, a group of conspirators, including his first cousin, Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich, and Prince Felix Felix Yusopov. Oh, I was going to look that up. Whoops. They invited him to the palace and fed him wine and cakes laced with cyanide. That's how I want to go out. Right? Just eat all the cake. Drink all the wine. And go to sleep. Even though Rasputin eventually became rather drunk, the poison seemed to have no effect. (laughs) Baffled but not deterred, the conspirators finally shot Rasputin multiple times. He was then wrapped in a carpet and thrown into the Neva River, where it was discovered three days later. According to their memoir, this is a quote, 
This devil who was dying of poison, who had a bullet in his heart, must have been raised from the dead by powers of evil. There was something appalling and monstrous in his diabolical refusal to die. <laughs> Very dramatic. Oh, gosh. Okay. Probably true, since there was repute- reputedly, report. I wrote reputedly, <laughs> reportedly, <laughs> probably true, since there was reportedly water in his lungs when yes. his remains were discovered, meaning he died of drowning. Not the poison, oh. not the gunshots. He drowned. And that's how I don't want to go out, is by drowning. Oh, that's terrifying. Nope, 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 nope. Also, I'm, like, picturing Rasputin from Anastasia, like, the cartoon, the whole time we're talking about this. He was so gross. I've, I've been forced to look at too many pictures today. Too many. Oh, God. So many. Rest in peace, our search histories. Oh, my God. And he reminds me kind of like the uh, the Mandarin from Iron Man, like, the really gross, uh, like, hairy, oh. uh, yeah, no. Huh. It would be a hard pass for me. Hard pass. So, although he was now gone, the last of his prophecies was yet to unfold. Shortly before his death, he wrote to Nicholas to predict that if he were killed by the government officials, the entire imperial family would be killed by the Russian people. Which came true in 15 months. As we know, when the Tsar, his wife, and all their children were brutally murdered by assassins amidst the Russian Revolution. So, it is possible that his actual murder was less dramatic. His daughter, Maria, who fled Russia after the revolution, and she actually became a circus lion tamer, billed as the daughter of the famous mad monk whose feats in Russia astonished the world. She wrote in a book in 1929 that the guys that assassinated him were pretty questionable, and she questioned the veracity of their account. She wrote that her father did not like sweets and never would have eaten a plate of cakes. What kind of monster what is this? monster? No. <laughs> anyway, she says the autopsy reports do not mention poison or drowning, but instead conclude that he was shot in the head at close range. She says that they transformed the murder into an epic struggle of good versus evil to sell books and bolster their own reputation, which makes sense to me. Yeah. History is uh, written by the winners. Yep. So back to his magical dick. Since he was Russia's greatest love machine, it was only natural then that after he was allegedly poisoned, beaten, shot, and drowned, his his infamous instrument of love would linger on. I'm really proud of myself for writing this. I've added a lot of jokes. (laughs) All right. So his member was supposedly cut off by Prince Felix Yusupov and saved by one of his servants who happened to be a secret follower of the Mad Monk. According to rumor, Rasputin's Johnson had developed its own cult following. Sometime in the 1920s, his penis popped back up in Paris, where a group (laughs) of Russian expatriates worshipped the Wonder Wiener, certain that it would bring them fertility. (laughs) I love the alliteration going on in that sentence so much. I deserve a Webby just for that sentence. You do. Nominate (laughs) us next year. Uh, It was reportedly preserved in an icebox and only taken out for their sacred rites and to give pieces of it to people in need. Dear God. They did not elaborate. I'm not sure I want to know, but pieces? Why? Uh, So many questions. Thin shaved sashimi. (laughs) No! (laughs) (laughs) 
But once again, Rasputin's daughter came to her father's rescue and told these women to get off her daddy's dong, literally, when she showed up in Paris and took it from the women. That would be a very awkward conversation, honestly. I hope she wore gloves. Like, what What are you doing? Seriously, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? I, <sighs> anyway, just when it seemed that the mystical member had finally disappeared from history, it arose... <laughs> Once more in 1994 for its final hurrah. It happened that Michael Augustine of California acquired the alleged trouser snake by accident when he purchased the effects of one Dr. Ripple in 1977. Dr. Ripple had collaborated with Marie Rasputin on a biography of her dad, and so he had inherited the whopper of a willy on Marie's demise. <laughs> Plot twist. After Augustine sold the item in question to Bonham's auction house, tests were done, and the would-be womb raider turned out to be not a penis at all, but a desiccated sea cucumber. <laughs> a sea cucumber. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a stretch. Naturally. But wait, there's more. Yay! The latest twist in the phallus saga involves an eminent Russian doctor, Igor Kinyakskin. God, Russian's hard, guys. <laughs> He's the head physician of the Prostate Center of Russia's Academy of Sciences, naturally. The good doctor proudly opened the nation's first Museum of Erotica in 2004 in a sexual health clinic. Also, I mean, why wouldn't he? Okay, <laughs> yeah, like you and do. He, <laughs> he did it in order to display some of the 15,000 items he has amassed during his time as a sex objects collector. Didn't know that was a thing. I didn't either, but I kind of want to go. <laughs> Amongst them, you guessed it, is none other than the alleged appendage of Rasputin himself. The legendary lover's alleged 13-inch member still pleases the thousands of people who come <laughs> to visit it every year in the small museum in downtown St. Petersburg. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> This one, like the well-endowed sea cucumber before it, is said to have magical properties, such as the ability to cure impotence just by looking at it. Good. Don't look at me. <laughs> oh, the one-eyed monster. Blech. The good doctor says he bought the penis in a wooden casket from two French antique dealers in 2000 for $8,000. According to them, the organ was cut off and taken to France by a fanatical follower. When Maria discovered it, she took possession of it. But when she needed money in 1970, she supposedly sold it. So there's conflicting reports here because the cucumber was supposedly in her possession as well. And then she gave it to the writer guy. So does she have both? Does she other knowingly give the other guy the dud dong? I don't know. There's huh. a lot of questions. Yeah. yeah. I ran into that a lot on this topic. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of things... Nobody really knows, but I mean, yeah. just look at this topic, though. <laughs> yeah. I think there's penis specialists out there. Uh, that'd be a funny name title. Anyway, <laughs> so this dude says that he's 99% sure it is real. Best Lovejoy, he wrote a book about famous corpses. Like, why? I don't know. She described it vividly in an interview and says it looks more like a horse penis to her. I just thought that was funny. That's not really related, but okay. anyway. So this hideous hunk of graying flesh is suspended in a jar of formaldehyde and uh, is thought to be Rasputin's penis. 
But Rasputin expert Eduard Radzinski wasn't so sure. According to 1917 accounts of Dmitri, who performed the autopsy on Rasputin after his badly mutilated body was dragged out of the river, says it would be a giant negative. He reported that Rasputin's genitals were un- intact and undamaged when he did the autopsy. Huh. He says stories about Rasputin's penis started almost immediately after his death, and they are all myths and legends. But that doesn't stop this Russian doctor guy, naturally. Nope. <laughs> so this museum is a wild ride. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Buckle up. All right. Yes. So when you go, it's a tiny little museum, and there's a room. It's called the Rasputin Room. He gets his own room. Okay. Yeah. Once you go in, you're greeted by a life-size figure of a darkly bearded man. Behind him, there's a five-foot-tall glass case with a round curtain obscuring what's inside. Oh, God. The suspense. (laughs) Around the perimeter of the room are a number of props and plaques. All the signs are in Russian, obviously. So if you go, you need to bring somebody that speaks Russian or whip out your Google Translator because you're going to need it. The room is broken up into stations with each stop being a clue to figuring out what is behind the curtain. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's a penis. (laughs) (laughs) One station looks a lot like Rasputin's bedroom with a bed, a curtain, a side table. When you walk past it, an old style telephone rings. When you pick it up, the voice, who is supposedly Rasputin himself, mumbles out a clue to his untimely demise. Another clue is found on the table that has tinctures and concoctions, and presumably the idea is to choose which one of the potions most likely poisoned him. By the time you made it around the entire room, you're asked to push one of the three possible buttons on the wall, and one of them reveals the subject of this whole story. When you finally figure it out, the payoff is... Shall we say, huge. The curtain (laughs) in the middle of the room opens, showing a whopping 13-inch dick, that's 30 centimeters for you non-Americans, floating in a jar of formaldehyde. (laughs) This is the worst treasure hunt ever. (laughs) Or the best, depending on who you are. It's true. So, um, the skeptics are saying that this doctor guy swears it's real, but he's never once had it tested. And as a scientist, that seems a little wonky to me, so. I agree. I could not avoid seeing it because even news articles had a picture of the jar. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> so many dicks today. Yes. So many. So yeah, that was uh Rasputin and that that's what started this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yes. And like, um, I'll touch on it in my story too, but like, yeah, a lot of the stuff I found is like conjecture and supposition and, it could have gone one of four ways and like that kind of thing. So, yeah, but. he apparently was a legendary lover, which once I post pictures of him, you're all going to be like, yeah, no, why? Yeah. And we're not going to post like actual dick pics. We no, can't. No, we no. can't be that guy. But we'll post like pictures <laughs> of the people we're talking about. Yeah. There's like the a picture. Up. Yeah. There's a picture of him surrounded by women just like oogling him. And it's probably because it is reported that he did have a 13-inch penis. So he was pretty popular with the ladies, if you will. Yeah, he definitely was not batting that rumor down. (laughs) No. He was like, ladies. I don't know about its magical fertility and impotence powers, but... Yikes. I mean, 
Good on him, though. He really ran right. with it. Yes. Became the most powerful man in Russia. Just I would have ran with it, too, honestly. <laughs> no judgment. Uh, a lot of things I read, they think it actually is a horse penis. That somebody just, oh. like... Oh, what happened to the horse, though? I don't want to think about it. He died I'm of natural causes. I'm still trying to, like, erase it from my brain that I've he seen died it. a wonderful, peaceful death at the age of 97. I don't know. I hope so. But yeah, even news articles had a picture of the dick in it. And I'm like, come on, guys. Where's your censorship? You want to censor, censor everything else. <laughs> yeah. The news article I found for what I'm about to talk about was like, don't worry. We won't show the picture of it or we won't show it in the video in our article. But then when I like Googled it, I saw a picture and I was like, ah! so, yeah, I know there was one part where I was like, for my next story, I was like, I'll go on Wikipedia and look at sources because mm-hmm. there won't be a picture there. And it was like, bam, penises. Yeah, nope. Yep. Oh, man. Our, our search, the ads we're going to start getting are going to be insane. <laughs> oh, my God. Especially when you hear my last story. It's <laughs> like most of mine are pretty on par <laughs> for what we imagined for this podcast but the last one's a little little weird it is weird so oh i'm excited but yeah i also yes. urge you to go to youtube and listen to the rasputin song you'll never look at it the same after <laughs> yes maybe we can share that i'm not sure i'll check i know i was gonna try to play a bit of it but i was like ah, oh, copyright i know uh, yes we might post it we'll see. or just go play just dance and just see a little Rasputin dancing during the little Russian jump thing. That fucking game. I love that game. (laughs) I get so tired after like half a song. I'm like, I'm out. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, shall I go to my topic? I'm so excited. I have no idea what you're going to do, so I'm really... Well, this one you probably do, because when you contacted me, you were like, hey, I was explaining to Z about Rasputin's 13-inch dick... We should talk about it on the podcast, on a podcast. Let's start a podcast. Um, I was like, yeah, that's kind of like how Napoleon had a super tiny penis. Yes. So I'm going to talk about Napoleon because I felt like it's our roots, Rasputin and Napoleon. It really is. And that story kept coming up with the Rasputin because they're such polar opposites. (laughs) Yes, they're such polar opposites. And like they're the most historical and like have spawned a whole thing for lack of a better term like following (laughs) a following and like references in you know pop culture and all that so (laughs) napoleon bonaparte and if i say dynamite instead of bonaparte i'm sorry i can't get that title of that movie out of my head also his name bone uh part it's just like it was meant to be it was destiny asking for it So, in honor of Napoleon, I just wanted to say that June 18th is the 204th anniversary of the Battle of Waterloo, which Mm -hmm. saw the defeat of Napoleon Bonaparte in two armies, marking it the end of the Napoleonic Wars. Ooh. So, not only are we going to talk about his penis, but we are also honoring the fact that he got his ass beat in June. So... (laughs) Yes, in honor of that all, we're going to discuss his junk. But before we do that, a few background things. So first, he became the first emperor of France in 1804. For those of you who don't know who Napoleon is, he did so after a stellar career in the military during the French Revolution. 
He started in artillery because he was really short, but he like was really good at military shit. So he quickly rose in the ranks. Mm-hmm. So he did a whole lot and his record I'm sure will be covered in another episode. So I just wanted to give that one, one little snippet. Um, so let's get to the dick. <laughs> yes. Let's <laughs> just Trump right in. So he was, he was listed as, in most of the stuff I found, he was listed as being five foot two inches. But some other reports say that he may have been around five feet seven inches. So he was still, you know, fairly short, but um, I'm going to go with the five two because that was the like most across the board agreed upon height. So I um, saw some of his clothes when I was in Paris, like they have them displayed and he looked pretty damn short to me. Yeah, let's go with 5'2". So he was 5'2", uh, which is was average for the height of a Frenchman at the time, but it was short for an officer, which is why he was put in artillery. And until he showed his like military prowess, he stayed down in that low stature. So I bring this up because his height was like a prevailing trope in this day and age. And because I actually wrote this at the end of my notes, but I'm going to say it now. The Napoleon's penis was <laughs> yes. fringe in your face right now. Just, oh God, one and a half inches long. Bless him. So he was five two, like a, and is that like a micro penis? Is that what those are? I think. Okay, hang on. Let me Google what length because i know hitler penis. supposedly had a micro penis so i'm wondering See, I almost did, did hitler actually i read about hitler and it said that the opening of his penis was on the bottom side of the tip of his penis instead of the <gasps> end yes <gasps> it horrified me okay the micro penis length stretched penis length is three quarters of an inch at birth as an adult, a micropenis is defined as a flaccid penis length of seven centimeters which is two and three quarter inches an erect penis length of 12.5 centimeters or five inches. So he was smaller than a micro penis. Whoa. <laughs> so, yes. No wonder he had a complex. Right. And I actually forgot to write in here about Napoleon complex. And I'm really angry. So that'll be on a different show. But yeah, so he had less than a micro penis. So pour one out for Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, Not it on that one. No wonder Napoleon was trying so hard. He had something right. to prove. Poor guy. Bless him. Bless him. So he died in 1821, either from stomach cancer, poisoning, or something else. No one can agree. <laughs> <laughs> like, I read one article that was like, yeah, it was stomach cancer. And then later on, it was like, or it could have been poisoning. Or it could have been this. And I'm just like, What? So nobody can agree on how he actually died. Like his dad might have had skin, uh, stomach cancer, but they're not sure if he did or it's all supposition. So our story begins here. <laughs> yes, I'm so ready. <laughs> so the prevailing theory is that during his autopsy, his vital organs like his stomach, his heart, his liver, I think a couple of his ribs, if I remember correctly, and his cock and balls were removed. Aww. Or as a uh, charming Irish self-defense instructor, instructor I had in college called it, your cock and bollocks. <laughs> I was laughing so hard the entire class. But yes. 
I mean, at least he had two testicles. Hitler only had one. So he's got one up on Hitler for that. Yeah, he does. He does. Because one of Hitler's testicles was not descended. I thought it was just like gone, but it just wasn't fallen down. But anyway, uh, so as more conjecture, no one agrees on if (laughs) if his organs and testicles and cock were removed as an accident or on purpose. We just we just don't know. Accident? How do you accidentally remove someone's vital organs and their junk? Huh. That is not a slip of the knife. But whatever. So no one can somebody got. I think somebody got caught and they were like, "Mm, it was an accident. Uh, (laughs) I fell asleep. I don't know what happened. Yeah. (laughs) My bad. Too late now. (laughs) But yeah, so accidentally or on purpose. These pieces then came into possession. At least his downstairs closet came into possession of an Italian priest. I'm not sure about his vital organs, but I know that his junk went to the priest. (laughs) Which is just like... (laughs) I couldn't figure out if the priest asked for it or if the autopsy or the coroner was like, here, I accidentally cut these off. You can have them. I'll give them to the church. I don't know. Maybe it needed an exorcism. (sighs) Real talk. (laughs) So (laughs) from there... It went to the priest's family when he died, and then to... <laughs> Can you imagine being the family? Like, this is what I inherit? Are you fucking kidding me? Yes, and I actually write that later in my notes. <laughs> that is the worst heirloom ever. Like, don't put me down for that in the will. No, no, like, hard pass. Yeah, hard give that to an animal shelter. I don't want it. <laughs> but yes, so it went to the priest's family, which also, could you imagine... Being the one that receives a mummified penis that you may or may not have known about from your priest, father, or grandfather. Like, one, where did you get that? Two, how long has that been here? Three, why didn't nobody tell me about this? Yes. There were so many questions. Yeah, I'd be ticking them off. Anyway, so after (laughs) it went to the priest family, it went to a London book merchant. And the article I read, which was Newsweek. Let me just tell you, it was Newsweek. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. That was something else. Uh, Washington Post. (laughs) Washington Post put in there, the article read, the item was politely listed in a catalog as a mummified tendon. Oh. Tendon. Oh. Poor Napoleon. (sighs) Bless him. Then it went to a friend across the pond in Philadelphia. I don't know why. How are all these penises coming to the U.S.? So is Rasputin's. It showed up in California. Why? Can we stop, (laughs) like, black market trafficking famous penises to the U.S.? I'm a little creeped out. Yeah, same. Imagine finding that at a flea market. Oh, my God. (laughs) Look, I've seen some weird things at flea markets. It would not surprise me (laughs) at all. So, in 1927, it was on exhibit in New York at the Museum of French Arts. When it was unveiled, a Times Magazine journalist saw it and wrote that the penis was, and I quote, a maltreated strip of buckskin shoelace. <gasps> oh, <Just fired>. oh <laughs> burn. And a different reporter published <laughs> that it was a shriveled eel. <laughs> Bless his heart. He tried. Oh, you got me cackling over here. Oh, my, oh God. my God. It was... Yeah, so shots fired. And then, in 1977, it was bought by Dr. John J. Latimer, 
an American urologist for $3,000. Okay, another doctor. Mine was a prostate doctor. Same thing. Yeah, urologist. Jesus. So I, I guess like they're like, well, I make... I make my living in urology, so I'll buy a penis. I don't know. But also, I feel like after learning that Rasputin's penis cost $8,000, like, <laughs> this dude got it for a steal. $3,000. Really, he really did. <laughs> <sighs> so, it apparently still lives at the Latimer home in New Jersey, which is the worst family heirloom ever. <laughs> <laughs> the family had it analyzed, and it is, in fact, a penis. But no one has definitively con- confirmed that it came from Napoleon. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's real. Oh. It's, it's a real penis. I mean, which, at least mine was a sea cucumber. Jesus. Right. But, yeah. So, yeah. It was it was an inch and a half long. Bless his little heart. I would imagine to, like, have it tested. Because Napoleon is interred at the military museum in Paris. So yeah. I'm sure the government would have to allow them to do any kind of testing unless he had some other DNA somewhere else. I mean, could they, like, possibly pull it off of his clothes or something in the exhibit without damaging it? Or would they, like, fuck it up? Maybe if they found enough viable DNA. Yeah. Did he have kids? I don't remember. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think he did. Um, hang on. Old music. Google. I was googling Napoleon's ghost because I was like, <laughs> he's probably haunting all the people with his penis. <laughs> yeah, he had. Yeah, Napoleon the second. Well, then there's probably a family line. Yeah, there's gotta be. But yeah, uh, the de- or uh, Napoleon the second was the duth, the duth, the Duke <laughs> of Reichstadt. He was his oh, only he- legitimate child, he and he was the king of, of Rome. Tuberculosis. Yeah. 21. Oh, so yeah, that that line stopped there. Oh. But yes, so um so yeah, it is a penis, but I mean, they have no way of knowing just yet if it's I'm sure maybe like one day they'll finally come to terms and decide to figure out a way to know, but yeah, it is a penis and they had it x-rayed and um said it was structurally perfect on the inside, like nothing was Ooh. damaged. I too saw pictures of my topic today (laughs) it looks like i'm sorry to anyone who's going to be offended by this it looks like gray dog shit it's so bad it's like gray (laughs) and lumpy and segmented and the balls kind of look like a finger i don't (laughs) i'm not gonna unsee it for a long time that's why i'm drinking so much tonight it is just like Oh, emblazoned in our brains for yeah. the end of time. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's bad. I uh, like we I said, this for well, you guys. Right. We do, we do the hard research. Remember that when uh when the FBI comes and takes us from our homes. <laughs> also, something I didn't write down, but I have always heard rumored, is that when a new president comes in, they get like taken to the secret room and let in on all the national secrets and for a long time the like one of the rumors was that he also got to see napoleon's penis huh which 
doesn't really make sense since it's in New Jersey, but I think it makes a cool story. But because like, why would you want to? And why would that be like a national secret? I would want to know more about the aliens than Napoleon. Same. Yes, dude, I've been having so many nightmares about aliens lately, and I partially blame the podcast. Oh, I would too. Like, I would think that that would be one of the things, you know, that they tell them immediately. But I have a hard time believing that if Trump knew about aliens, he wouldn't have tweeted about it by now. Correct. So I'm starting to question whether or not aliens actually exist. Cause Same. He would have totally blown it. Yep, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Man, yeah. I'm having a hard time, like, not... Like, there's so many parallels between Napoleon and Hitler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they both just... They rose up in that war... Yeah. The war became like ahead of an army. They both invaded Russia. Russia just really fucking cold, so they all froze to death and then they lost their wars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, like I I started researching Napoleon and I saw all this stuff on Hitler. And I was like, "Oh shit, maybe I'll write on Hitler." But I was like, "No. We started this whole fucking podcast because <laughs> of I almost called him Rumpelstiltskin. I've drank too much. <laughs> um, Rasputin and Napoleon, so I had to do Napoleon. I'm sure Hitler will come back up. I'm sure. I mean, the only thing I really know about Hitler is that he had the micro penis and one testicle, and then the urethra thing. But then, um, his girlfriend turned wife for like two hours or whatever. Ava, yes. Ava Braun. She's Braun. Ava Braun. Oh, uh, she was born without a vagina. Like I heard that. Yes. Hole. Yeah. So he paid to have her have hers fixed. I don't think he ever had his fixed. It's wild. To Hitler's guys. eyes, he didn't have anything that needed changed. I know. Let's talk about, like, the perfect race here. Dude was all kinds of fucked up. I don't know. Ugh, blah, 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 blah. That's another one of those conspiracy theories that I have seen on, like, Travel Channel that really sucked me in. And it's the conspiracy theory that Hitler survived and moved to Montana and had facial re- uh, reconstruction surgery and lived to old age there. Oh, I always heard Brazil. Yeah, I heard that too. That was like the one that I'd heard. But then this other one that was like Mysteries of the Museum on Travel Channel, it was an artifact that they got that was supposedly Hitler's from when he moved to Montana and lived. Oh, it was uh, Mysteries of the National Park. Oh. And he lived in like the National Park in, I think, Butte. I had not heard that. It's interesting. I'll have to find it and send it to you because it's really I think there's a lot of conspiracy theories just because they burn them both so fast. Yes. But I think it was just out of pure, like, disgust and hatred for him. When they found them both shot, they were just like, burn it. Yeah. Burn it to ash, you know. They didn't want to. I don't think they wanted the bodies to be, like, taken by Nazis and given a proper. Yeah. yeah. They didn't deserve a proper burial, honestly. So. I agree. Makes for a good conspiracy theory because they don't know the body. Anything does. Yeah. It's kind of like Bin Laden. People are like, well, we don't know what happened, but it burial at sea was to be respectful but also is so that they couldn't use him as a martyr and yep parade him around but ugh. yep fuck hitler Man. amen <laughs> makes me angry just thinking about him right so now off that tangent that was the end of my napoleon <laughs> yeah napoleon yeah i didn't even talk like about a... the napoleon complex which would totally be related yeah, I think the big thing is he's probably overcompensating. So the whole yes. complex is that the little man syndrome too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, like I, I mentioned in a previous podcast that I saw his crypt and it was like seven sarcophagi with seven oh, yeah. giant angels looking down upon him. Dude had a very inflated like opinion of himself. So, <laughs> but he was also married. And so 
I mean, she didn't apparently know mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a son, so I mean, it, it's yeah. not the it's not the size of the boat; it's the motion of the ocean. So, <laughs> is this the episode our parents actually disown us? <laughs> oh my god i I have come to terms with the fact that my parents are one hundred percent not listening. So I'm just going balls to the wall, literally. <laughs> oh man, I'm googling something really quick. How long were they married? It's not even matter. This is just for my own. Can't get it out of my head. Can't get you out of my head. head. (laughs) I'm curious now, so if you don't look it up, I will. Oh, this is he had two kids. Oh. But I just read a thing that said that none of them made it to, like, adulthood or whatever, so there's no legitimate line from his. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, Napoleon II was the one that I saw was his only legitimate child. He lived to be 21. Yeah, so there might be some, like, bastard lines out there. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're thinking here of the bastard line of Napoleon, email us at historicalafpod. Yeah, why can't I find that in my DNA? Come on. Right? Uh, I don't I don't know that I would want to come from that gene pool. <laughs> he married uh she was 6 years older than him. Ooh. Oh, she had two kids when they got married. Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, after they didn't have any kids, he annulled their marriage to find a new wife to produ- produce an heir. How oh, shit. Of him. In 1810, he wed Marie Louise, the daughter of Emperor of Austria. The following year, she gave birth to Charles Bonaparte, who became Napoleon II. I did not know that. I didn't either. That's interesting. And then it says, uh, in addition to his son, he had several illegitimate children. Uh-huh. Huh. I guess I only knew about Josephine because, like, the big painting in the Louvre and all the stuff. Always him and Josephine together. I just learned things. Yay. Yay. We're learning right along with you guys. Yes. No, we, like, 100% learn along with everyone. Literally, like, a few things I did today, I had thought something the entire time. And then when I researched it, I realized everything that I thought was true was not true. Yes. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. I ran into that too. So I got random or morbid? Let's do random. Okay. Ashley has jokes. She gave me drill as the word. (laughs) Terry picked that out. (laughs) I didn't tell him what the topic was. And I was like, I need to give a random word to Kina. And he he goes, drill. And I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. (laughs) Uh, I, I see what you did there. So I went the direction of drilling a penis with a piercing. Oh, my God. So here we are. This is the history of the Prince Albert piercing. (laughs) You know what my weird AF is? What? Prince Albert. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Go on, and I will just combine my notes with yours. All right. Um, (laughs) So this is the one where I was like, thank you, Ashley, and Patreon, because dick pics were unavoidable here. Like, everything that talks about a Prince Albert just showed a dick with a Prince Albert in it. And I was like, ah, ah, no. Anyway, so we're going to start with the most common belief regarding the Prince Albert piercing origins. It is that the Prince Albert piercing was named after Prince Albert, who was the husband of Queen Victoria of England. And I had a big, long historical detour, but I don't know what you did. (laughs) Go ahead and do it. And if I can fill anything in, I will. And if not, we will just have one less story this week. Okay, this is what happens when we don't tell each other. Yes, but this is the uh, first time we've done this. This is true. This is true. So, 
With a, I said, you know, your girl has a historical detour here because she obviously need to know who Prince Albert is. Okay. Hell yeah. So Prince Albert, whose full name was Francis Albert Augustus Charles Emmanuel, also known as Franz Albrecht August Carl Emmanuel, Prince von Sachsen Coburg Gotha. Jesus. <laughs> I just have three names. That's hard enough. Jesus. Anyway, he was born near Coburg, which is Bavaria, Germany, today. His uncle Leopold became king of the Belgians in 1831 and hoped that the prince would marry his cousin, Princess Victoria, heir presumptive to the British throne. And he arranged the cousin's first meeting on May 18, 1836, in England. After Princess Victoria became queen in 1837, the cousins met once again in October of 1839, where she proposed, hell yeah, woman power. Hell yeah. Uh, And their engagement was announced on November 23rd of that year. The marriage took place on the 10th of February, 1840, in Chapel Royal St. James Palace. The day after the wedding, she wrote, I never, never spent such an evening. My dearest, dearest Albert, his excessive love and affection gave me feelings of heavenly love and happiness (laughs) I never could have hoped to have felt before. He clasped me in his arms and we kissed each other again and again. His beauty, his sweetness, his gentleness. Really, how could I ever be thankful enough to have such a husband? To be called by names of tenderness I have never yet heard used to me before was bliss beyond belief. Oh, this was the happiest day of my life. Damn, she went on and on. Yeah, sounds like they like each other. For real. She was getting it on their wedding night, apparently. Okay. (laughs) So his role as advisor to his wife came into full force after the death of Lord Melbourne, the prime minister, which Lord Melbourne is the most British thing ever. And he had had a lot of influence on her. And uh, afterwards, he became to act as her private secretary. He encouraged his wife a greater interest in social welfare issues and invited Lord Shaftesbury, which I thought that name was just Hell funny. yeah. It was topic. He was the driving force behind the factory acts, you know, nailed it. Labor laws. <laughs> um, his constitutional position was a difficult one, and although he exercised his influence with tact and intelligence, he never enjoyed great public popularity during Victoria's reign. It wasn't until 1857 that he was formally recognized by the nation and awarded the title Prince Consort. He was refused the title of King Consort. Albert took an active interest in the arts, sciences, trade, and industry. He masterminded the Great Exhibition of 1851, and then I thought it was pretty interesting that he redesigned Osborne House and Balmoral Castle, which the Queen hangs out a lot today. Yep. Uh Um, And he also, in 1861, helped uh, settle a dispute between the UK and the US and prevented a war. Also pretty badass. Then he died suddenly of typhoid on the 14th of December, uh, which is also the day my dad died. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Yikes. Dark, dark turn. Uh, she was overwhelmed by grief and remained mourning until the end of her life. She never not wore black. And uh, But in their life together, they had nine children, 42 grandkids, uh, most of whom like married into other royal houses of Europe. So long ass detour over. <laughs> so back to dicks. <laughs> the most recognizable origin of the Prince Albert piercing is shockingly that Prince Albert had the piercing. He was reportedly 
had the piercing done before his marriage to the Queen around 1825. At that time, Beau Brumel started the craze for the ultra-tight men's trouser. Because the pants were so tight, the penis needed to be held to one side or the other as to not create an unsightly bulge. To accomplish this, some men had their penises pierced to allow it to be held by a hook on the side of their trousers. This piercing was called a dressing ring at the time because tailors would ask if a gentleman dressed to the left or the right. Which and blew the tailor, my mind. <laughs> yeah. And the tailor would tailor the trousers accordingly. Tailors to this day ask you if you dress to the left or right, apparently. Prince Albert allegedly had a massive bulge, so the idea of a dressing ring would probably intrigue him. Uh, it's a fun story, but there's no actual mention of it in reputable historical or contemporary sources at the time, which honestly is disappointing. I was really hoping for some uh, real historical facts here, but alas, here we are. <laughs> some argue that Prince Albert would have been too much of a prude to get one, but I don't really buy that because him and Victoria were like doing it like bunnies. Yes. They had a very public sex life. And uh, even though Victoria hated being pregnant and hated her children for the most part, <laughs> she didn't want to stop having sex. So, I mean, that's what happens when you don't have birth control. You just have a shit ton of kids. She spent roughly 80 months pregnant in the 1840s and 50s. That's more than six years in total. Jesus effing Christ. Nope, not about that life. Oh, God. That's not even counting her recovering from childbirth. Yeah. And then I found it really funny. They said that she got really pissed off when doctors told her to stop banging Albert for the sake of nope. her health. Damn. She had words, apparently. So there was another theory that some believe that it was Albert and Victoria's grandson, who is also Prince Albert. Um, and he was also called Collar and Cuffs. That was his nickname. Yeah, anyway, okay. He was a well-known sexual pervert. And uh, he's actually a Jack the Ripper suspect. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so a uh, tiny historical detour here, because I can't just gloss over Jack the Ripper. <laughs> the suggestion that Edie was Jack the Ripper was first made in 1962 in the book Edward VIII, or Seventh. Nope. Edward VII. I can do <laughs> Roman numerals. <laughs> They're hard, okay? <laughs> Julian made a reference to rumors that Edie was responsible for the murders, but it was an article by Dr. Thomas Stowell, Writing a criminologist in November of seven, 1970, um, which caused a sensation, Stowall apparently used the private papers of Sir William Gall as his source material and pointed the finger of suspicion at Edie, which was his nickname. I don't think I've said that yet. Anyway, without actually naming him, instead using the letter S when referring to the suspect, Stowall claims that S was nicknamed Collar and Cuffs. Dun, dun, dun. Brings us back to that guy. And he was an heir to power and wealth. The killer was a gentleman who had contracted syphilis in his youth and was now in the final stages of illness and suffered delusions. He became sadistically aroused when watching deer being dressed and was had a warped sexual passion exploding when he committed the murders. He was assisted by authorities who helped to conceal it from the public. He goes on to claim that the royal family knew that he was Jack the Ripper but they made no attempt to restrain him until after the double event. He was then taken to a private mental hospital where he died, not from the flu as it claimed, but from the softening of the brain due to syphilis. So, detour over. Um, the only problem with this with the Prince Albert piercing is that he was known as Prince Edie and collar and cuffs and not Prince Albert. So oh. if anybody 
in the Victorian era said Prince Albert, they would have thought of the Prince Consort. Right. So the origin of the piercing is unknown. And Prince Albert theory is just a myth pushed by a dude in the 1970s. Da, da, da. In modern times, the Prince Albert piercing was popularized by Jim Ward in the 70s. In West Hollywood, Ward met Richard Simonton, a.k.a. Doug Malloy, and Fakir Musafar. Together, these men further developed the Prince Albert piercing. Malloy published a pamphlet in which he concocted fanciful histories of genital piercings in particular. These tales, which included, you guessed it, the notion that Albert, the prince consort, invented the piercing to tame the appearance of his large penis in tight trousers, was, you know, the star of the pamphlet, apparently. But, again, there's no historical proof of this actually happening, and it's just an urban legend, apparently. Makes for a good name. Still wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Prince Albert is the um, piercing where the ring goes in the skin on the tip of the penis. Not to be confused with the Jacob's Ladder, which is the bars across the top of the penis that look like a ladder. Oh, my God. Which I almost wrote about and I should have. But your notes were way better than mine about the Prince Albert. So, oh, yes. I didn't even think about the Jacob's Ladder. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, why? 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 I don't know. Why? 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 Yeah, it. I um. I d- I don't have a penis, but I feel like I grow one just to shrivel back into my body when I think of getting it pierced. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's concerning. But yeah, so your notes were way better than mine, and I'm just not going to do that. Now, I mean, I can talk a little bit about Jacob's ladder, but I basically explained all I know about it off the top of my head. <laughs> So, Jacob's ladder runs into issues like infection and pain during intercourse, while the Prince Albert was said to is said to be like very pleasing during intercourse for the partner and the Pierce E. Yes, that sounds good. Let's go with that. But yeah, so let me flip to my notes. Scootaloo doot. Okay, so I'll do my spooky. Okay, spooky AF. Okay, so this is like penis adjacent <laughs> and there are uh there is a little bit of uh, trigger warnings in this for sexual assault but we are going to talk about the incubus not to be confused with the band incubus <laughs> so oh, oh i'm excited what is an incubus it is a demon a male demon who also side note we know that there are more than two genders, all of that. I'm just going by male and female because that's how these are described in historical context. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm going with. So an incubus is a male demon who has sex with women who are asleep slash seducing them. This means that they sexually assault sleeping women. They don't say that explicitly in the stuff, but I mean, that's what it comes down to. And then sometimes a child is produced from this union. It derives from the Latin incubo, which is uh, which means a nightmare induced by such a demon. The first written mention of these demons comes from the Sumerian king list in Mesopotamia, circa, circa 2400 BCE, as Lilu, who was the father of our hero Gilgamesh. Oh. So yeah, so if you've done history reading, lit reading, all of that, you will know of Gilgamesh. Every. Oh, wow. College literature class ever. Yep. 
Yep, I it, I think it was the very first thing that we read in either mm-hmm. that or Every Man in um World Lit. So yeah. So the dad of Gilgamesh was an incubus. St. Augustine wrote in De Civitate Dei, which translates to the city of God, that there were too many alleged attacks for attacks by incubi to ignore the trend or the possibility of half demon babies. Oh. Which, I mean, is kind of a big deal for like a, a church person, a church historical figure to be like, guys, this is a real thing that we need to talk yeah. about. Yeah. So then 800 years later, Thomas Aquinas uh, said demons weren't creating kids with their own sperm. But there's a big but. <laughs> also, here's a little relevant pause for a second. How can you tell if a guy is an incubus? Well, sources say that you can tell because you can identify them by their unnaturally large or cold penis. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, unpause. So, he said that they weren't creating them with their own sperm. Here's why. Because their penis is cold, it could not deliver viable sperm during these encounters. Oh. This leads to two schools of thought. Because, again, we can't just have historical facts in this episode. We also have to have all this conjecture and myths and legends. So here we are. So two schools of thought. First, that the incubus would take sperm from a recently dead man, not dead enough to be cold, and then put that into the woman that he assaulted. Or, second, an incubus and a succubus, which is the female demon that seduces men, which you will, you know, if you love the Zach Bagans as much as we do, he <laughs> encounters a quote unquote succubus on one episode and asks it to touch him. Oh, it was real weird. Though he accidentally asked if it was an incubus instead of a succubus and Aaron made fun of him. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so uh, incubus and a succubus are the same demon and the succubus would seduce a sleeping man, sleep with him, take his sperm from the encounter and then turn into an incubus. I don't know why I'm doing hand gestures like people can see me. Turn into an incubus and then seduce the woman in her sleep and deposit the sperm into her. Either one of those thoughts is just really fucking gross. Either it came from a dead man or they took it from one unconscious victim and put it in another unconscious victim and made a kid. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really, really gross. So, regionally, this demon has different names. And I, I mean, there was a list of like... 20 different names from different regions. It has names such as Popobawa in Zanzibar, the Trauco in the Chiloe province of Chile, and the Tokolash in South Africa. Hmm. Amazon river dolphins are believed to be the spawn of a siren and an incubus, and they shapeshift into a handsome man who seduces women into the river. And the dolphins are blamed for disappearances and unwanted pregnancies in that region. Huh. I heard those horror stories about, like, dolphin rape caves. Is this where this comes from? Yes. Yes, basically. That everything, and, like, Everything I love in this world, Zeke likes to ruin for me. So he sent me, like, the link about the dolphin rape caves and then also yep. about, like, what, do- like, penguins and seals do to each other. Yeah, it's very, very concerning. I can't have nice things. Anyway, nope. continue. Nope. So, yeah, um, that is, I, I don't have just a ton of notes, but, like, scientifically, I found this wonderful article that was like, hey, if you think you've been attacked by an incubi, 
or an incubus, you need to let your psychiatrist know because this is like psychiatrically like sound and a big thing because scientifically it can be blamed on sleep paralysis, which occurs during REM sleep. So I think I would rather just tell my psych that I am having sleep paralysis and not that an incubus came to me in my dreams. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I feel like as much as I want to normalize mental health and stuff, that feels like a really good way to get committed. So let's (laughs) not do that. So yeah. Is there like a lot of contemporary reports of that? Is this the thing that still happens a lot or is this just like, that's what I thought. Okay. So while I look this up, so I have sleep paralysis and so I was thinking a lot about it and I know a lot of the accounts of sleep paralysis that I've seen especially like Reddit has all these threads about people's instances of sleep paralysis and stuff like that. And a lot of them report the sleep paralysis demon. And you can even see it in the haunting of Hill house on Netflix. One of the characters has sleep paralysis and there's the backwards head lady Mm -hmm. that she sees it's kind of like that where you see like someone standing in the corner or standing over you or floating over you. I've had it where it felt like someone was like breathing my face, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just like you're completely powerless to stop it. I Googled Incubus Contemporary and it took me to the band page because I've been running into that all day. (laughs) I've been having to specify Incubus Demon. Ooh, Incubus Demon Name Generator. What? Sorry, I just got distracted. This is what happens when I drink. So um, a lot of people have run into instances where because of their belief systems like i was saying you know regions every region has their own name for this because they have those like it's still very rich in the lore and i haven't i didn't see any that were specifically like i had sleep paralysis and was attacked by an incubus but it was i was had sleep paralysis and i was attacked by something mm-hmm. and all that and then you know like these people in the amazon who are blaming uh river dolphins for their unwanted pregnancies because it's part incubus and all that so it's still prevalent but I haven't seen any news stories that are just 100% like yes this is a thing that's happening huh but yeah. I did not know I think the uh the most of things I know about that came from Supernatural me too honestly yeah that's uh before I started looking into it that's like all I really knew was from Supernatural and it was interesting to look at and let me tell you with my my damn search history googling spooky dick news it doesn't go well (laughs) doesn't give you a lot of results so it took some digging (sighs) i almost did just a list of fucked up news article titles that had to do with penises because there were so many (laughs) so many oh that's funny So that is Incubi, Incubus. And yeah, and I'm sure like on another one, we'll talk more about Succubus. But but yeah, so I always like, you know, dudes would call girls Succubus growing up. You know, they're really big. And like, I feel like there was an episode of Buffy that had a Succubus and stuff like that. But I didn't really know about Incubus until Supernatural. So yeah. The more you know, Rainbow. Right. All right. Let's bring us back down with some morbid. <laughs> oh, man. This is a bummer, guys. There's also probably some content warnings in here about rape and domestic violence. But 
because people suck. Oh, my God. So I'm going to talk about Lorena Bobbitt and her piece of shit husband. Thank God, because I wanted to talk about this. And when you said that you were possibly talking about something in the state, I was like, yes. Okay, she's doing (laughs) Lorena Bobbitt. I am. So listen, most people know about this story, but uh, mostly that it's the butt of jokes since 1993. I remember as a kid, people singing that Lion Sleeps Tonight, but being a song about this, the whole wiener whack, wiener whack. Yes. Yeah. So recently in February of this year, so 2019, she had a documentary come out by Jordan Peele. And it's kind of like her story and how her abuse kind of got overshadowed by like the sensationalized you know, events of the court case. Like, people would be outside of the courtroom selling, like, sliced soda and hot dogs, and they had shirts, and it was, like, on every TV show, every late-night show, everything's got a joke about her cutting off, you know, her husband's penis. But, you know, it's got a lot of jokes. I'm going to try to do her justice. (laughs) Okay, good. But it's really hard to find things that aren't about the jokes, which was really surprising to me. But the new documentary seems really good, and everybody should watch it, so... Anywho, I did not watch it, so this will be later. So, Lorena Gallo was born in Ecuador in 1969, and she was raised in Venezuela. I also didn't know she was an immigrant. Um, I didn't either. Like, a lot of this story is just basically, like, the tiny snippet we've always learned, but it was really interesting. So, she became completely, like, mesmerized by this ideal of the American dream she saw on TV and movies. In 1987, she came to the United States on a student visa, enrolling in the Northern Virginia Community College. She worked as a manicurist at a salon of a local businesswoman named Jaina Bisuti at a dance hall near the U.S. Marine Corps base at Quantico. Lorena met Lance Corporal John Wayne Bobbitt of Niagara Falls, New York. The attraction was reportedly instantaneous, powerful, and mutual. Lorena said... This is a quote. I thought John was very handsome. Blue eyes, a man in uniform, you know. He was almost like a symbol, a Marine fighting for the country. So she's still, like, obsessed with this American ideal, and she saw him as, like, this symbol of it. That makes sense. Oh, she said, I believed in this beautiful country. I was swept off my feet. I wanted the American dream. So he says, Lorena was purdy. She was innocent. She was real, real sweet. He is a man of many words. Apparently. She's all poetic and shit, and he's just like, she's pretty. I like her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so on June 18, 1989, they wed. She was 20, and he was 22. But the union went south really quick. Lorena blamed John's violence. He was physically abusive. He allegedly beat her. He was sexually abusive. He allegedly... Uh, engaged in anal intercourse and raped her. Um, She also claims that she had to undergo an abortion. And then he also emotionally abused her. He threatened to have her deported. He used to just threaten her all the time. Fuck that guy. Yeah. So, of course, John denies all the allegations. And he blamed her greed. He said, and this is a quote, Lorena was a good wife a lot of the time, but she was obsessed with having the American dream, her American dream, her American dream. She said it was all, she said it all the time. Jane and Basuti had a big house, a cabin cruiser, a Mercedes. Lorena wanted all those things. She wanted too much too fast. So that's his thing. She wanted too much of him. How dare she? This is just like classic abuser too. Yeah. Gaslight the fuck out of her. Yeah. 
1991, John was discharged from, discharged from the Marines and found himself without steady employment. Lorena became the main breadwinner, and then their fights escalated. She called 911 several times, and so did he. Lorena was caught embezzling 7200 from her boss. She stole the money out of desperation, she claimed, because she was supporting both her and John. The couple's house went into foreclosure, and they broke up. But a year later, they reconciled, but it didn't take. John and Lorena were already in agreement that they were going to separate again. When early morning hours of June 23rd, 1993, John returned to their apartment with his friend and house guest, Robert Johnston, after a night of drinking. Johnston retired to the living room, and John went to the bedroom where Lorena was sleeping. According to Lorena, John raped her before falling asleep himself. She went to the kitchen afterwards for a glass of water, and then she saw a knife. She grabbed the 8-inch carving knife on the kitchen counter and returned to their bedroom, pulled back the bed sheets, and cut off his penis. She said, I didn't want to teach him a lesson. No, it was survival, life and death. I was fearing for my life. You know, I, I don't condone it, but I understand. Yeah, she was terrified. So he says the sex was consensual. I was leaving her for good, he says. It was what my mom said. If she couldn't have me, no one could. And there was this green card, too. They didn't come to my mind at the time, but it's obvious. You have to marry an American citizen for five years to get one, and we'd only been married for four. So that's his whole thing. It's like, oh, it was consensual. And then he blamed it on her, being like she was desperate. But why? Okay. If she's desperate to keep her green card, why would she cut off his penis? Because he would definitely leave her in. That makes no sense. So after this, Lorena left the apartment with the severed appendage and drove away in her car to her boss's house. After a while of driving, she was struggling to steer with one hand, so she threw it out the window into a roadside field. She eventually stopped and called 911, telling them what had happened and where the penis could be found. Officers recovered it and brought it to the Prince William Hospital, where Johnston had taken John a short time before. It was reattached by Dr. James Sin, a urologist, and Dr. David Berman, a plastic surgeon, in a near-miraculous nine-and-a-half-hour operation. I also read that they, like, packed it in, like, 7-Eleven, like, food containers and ice. It was just, like, this whole thing. Yeah. I remember when this came out when I was little, the, like, prevailing rumor that I remember, because I was only, I mean, what year did this happen? Uh, 93. I was like seven or eight. And I remember the main rumor was that after she threw it out the window, it was eaten by raccoons. (laughs) I don't know where the hell that came from, but that's the only thing I really remember about it. And I remember the trial and stuff. Well, unless there was a separate penis in that field, uh, it was not eaten by raccoons because I did reattach it. Okay. Um, Which that'll be a big issue here in a little bit. He's such a piece of shit. I hope it falls off. (laughs) (laughs) So during the trial, the couple revealed details of their volatile relationship and the events that led to the assault. Lorena stated that John sexually, physically, and emotionally abused her during their marriage. She said that he flaunted his infidelities and forced her to have an abortion. Her defense attorneys, who included the defense lawyer Blair Howard, maintained that his constant abuse caused her to eventually snap because she was suffering from clinical depression and a possible bout of PTSD due to her abuse. John denied these allegations of abuse, however, but when he was cross-examined by Howard, his statements often conflicted with known facts, and that severely weakened his defense. Dumbass. So Lorena testified that John had raped her and physically battered her on multiple occasions prior to that evening. 
of severing his penis and that they lacked financial stability and that he stole her earnings and spent proceeds. Both the prosecution and defense sides conceded that he had demonstrated a history of abuse towards her and that this abuse created a context for assault. Expert witnesses for both the prosecution and the defense testified that he had mentally and physically battered her and that the abuse was escalating and that by 93, she lived in constant fear of him. So this is the court even agreeing with her. Remember that here in a little bit. The defense strategy emphasized her actions as being a mix of self-defense and temporary insanity constituting an irresistible impulse due to the history of pattern of abuse and rape. One expert witness testified that Lorena believed him and was immobilized by his threats. He said, I will find you, whether we're divorced or separated, wherever I find you, I'll have sex with you whenever I want to. Yikes. Which this is also another like typical abuser tactic. They make you feel like you can't leave because they'll find you no matter what you do. Yep. <sighs> so on November 11th, 1993, a jury of nine women and three men found John not guilty of marital sexual assault. Fuck though. That fuck that entire gen- jury. Let's not forget that like they had admitted the prosecutor and defense both just said that this is a pattern of abuse and rape and they still acquitted him. Yikes. Bullshit. This is also 93 and it. it the idea of marital rape was just a thing that became illegal at this time. Before then, people are like, how can you be raped if you're married? So this yeah. is also a different time, even though it's not that long ago. So two months later, on January 21st, 1994, a jury of seven women and five men found Lorena not guilty of malicious wounding due to temporary insanity. Good. Yes. As a result, she could not be held liable for her actions. And under state law, the judge ordered her to undergo a 45-day evaluation period at the Central State Hospital located in Petersburg, Virginia, after which she would be released. In 95, after six years of marriage, John and Lorena divorced. (sighs) After she served a brief mandated stint in the mental hospital, Lorena went back to work as a manicurist. She later did hair and sold real estate. She attended Catholic church regularly and went to community college. So she was definitely trying to better herself after the divorce. Good on her. Yeah. So she eventually met David Bellinger. They were two study partners and friends for years before they became romantically involved. She had never dated anybody else because she said, well, how can you date really when you're Lorraine Bobbitt? Yep. Um, The couple now have a 13-year-old daughter and they live in a, like, tidy street with a cream colored brick house so now she's living the american dream now good she says when i finished the trial in the beginning geez i couldn't even go to the grocery store because people be like oh my god you know what i know i just wanted to put my groceries down and run away and go home lorena said that i just wanted to take care of myself and my family you know just to integrate myself into normalcy and a normal life john on the other hand son of a bitch went on to star in pornographic films such as John Wayne Bobbitt, Uncut, and John Wayne Bobbitt, Frankenpenis. Yeah, I read that earlier, and I no. He became a fixture on the Howard Stern show, and Howard Stern said, I don't even buy that he was raping her. She's not even that great looking. Of course he fucking said that. Ugh. It makes me so angry. <laughs> because at this time, like... In, like, pop culture, so, like, Thelma and Louise and a bunch of these, like, empowering feminist icons were rising. But at the same time, she was being played as this joke. Yeah. So, it was like she's in a time where she should have been lifted up and been this empowering woman that defended herself. But 
she was just made into like the biggest joke at the time and he yes. was being glorified yes um, john also was in a band called the severed parts oh my god this makes me want to vomit. Fucking was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was ranting to Terry last night about something, and I was saying how like it's really gross to me in comedy when people don't don't punch up, they punch down at the victims mm-hmm. instead of the perpetrators. You don't punch down, you don't attack the victims. Yeah, and I mean, I guess like from that point of view, like John Bobbitt could be seen as a victim because his penis was cut off but like i said i don't condone it but i understand yeah and the understanding part of me is like real pissed right now and this kind of shows their character because he went on to like make money with porn to being on tv shows and bands she was approached several times to do tv shows and she turned them down Uh, she did a couple of things of press just to kind of defend herself but she turned down a castration saga some films and a tv series she also turned down $1 million to post for Playboy. She said a million dollars is a million dollars, but it would be amazing to have that money, but I'm not raised that way. Yeah, she made a good call. In 2007, she founded the Lorena's Red Wagon Organization, which helps prevent domestic violence through family-oriented activities. So good on good her. On her. <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> Although Lorena told Oprah in 2009 that she had no interest in talking to John, they actually appeared together on the show. In May of 2009, it was their first meeting since their divorce. On the show, he apologized to her for treating the way he did during their marriage, and he claimed that he still loved her because he continued to send her Valentine's Day cards and flowers. Gross. He's literally a textbook abuser. It's disgusting. So, the legacy and depiction in pop culture. The Bobbitt case brought attention to the issue of domestic violence and marital rape, which, like I said, was the first time this had become an issue in the United States because it just became illegal in all the states around this time. Um, Within days of the incident, anti-domestic violence advocates and some feminist groups rallied around Lorena. Good. Media attention surrounding the case resulted in a national debate and also sparked a flurry of jokes, limericks, t-shirt slogans, advertising gimmicks, as well as Howard Stern having him as a guest. But not only that, he raised enough money on their New Year's Eve special to raise $250,000 to pay his surgery. An advertising company also did some commercials that said, when they cut off your service, they mean it, as like a joke towards this whole <laughs> yes. situation. Okay. Uh, shortly after the incidents, episodes of Bobbit Mania occurred, or copycat crimes. Although incidents were generally self-inflicted wounds or accidents, the name Lorena Bobbit eventually became synonymous with penis removal. The terms Bobbitized Punishment and Bobbit Procedure gained social recognition. The Bobbit Worm, which attacks its prey with scissor-like jaws, was also named after this case. Oh, God. Okay. And then finally, like I said, in February of 2019, Amazon released Lorena, a four-part documentary series <laughs> produced by Jordan Peele about the incident, which features interviews with both Lorena and John. Oh and God. apparently he lives in, like, Vegas now and just dumb shit but i didn't really look at him because i don't care yes but there's a lot of interviews with her and she's living a good life but she just says that she feels like everything has been overshadowed by his porn career and the jokes instead of you know her being a survivor which really hurts my heart yes yeah now i need to go watch that wow yeah i didn't know it existed till i was writing my notes so now yeah go watch it 
Man, this makes me even sadder that I didn't go with the topic I was originally going to go with for my weird AF. Because, um, you know, I went with Prince Albert, but I was originally going to talk about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky in the blowjob heard around the world. Mm-hmm. But I did not. And I'm very sad now because it's in the same vein where, like, she was ridiculed and all these jokes were made about her and all this when really, I mean, she's a victim too, so... Yeah, she's the first victim of cyberbullying. Like, she's the first person that had internet turn on her. I think I might save it for another episode. It's very dark. So hot up here. Anyway, we don't have any shout-outs this week. I'm really sad. You know what that means. Join Patreon, so we have a shout-out next week. Yes, this is the first week since we've started, basically, that we haven't had a shout-out. Oh, sad panda. Yeah, very sad pandas. And yeah, we got so much stuff. We got like the bloopers up. We have the drunk dive up. We have lots of cool stuff. So you should go to www.patreon.com slash historical AF pod to look at our tiers and see what we got going on. You can scroll down and you can see everything that we've put up, but it will just be locked until you join. But you can see. Oh, just hit the <laughs> hit the mic. <laughs> oh, man. It's been hey, a- anywho. <laughs> it's going. It's derailing. It is. We're derailing. We have to. We have to wrap up. We have to wrap up. And we are always and forever taking your personal stories, history, family, paranormal, true crime, et cetera, et cetera, anything and everything that you want us to talk about on the podcast. We are taking at historicalafpod at gmail dot com. Yes, and please, um, there's still time to review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff, Facebook, even. I review us, share us, tell everybody you know, scream us out loud on the streets. People, strangers completely hear about us Um, and then screenshot it and let us know and you'll be entered into a prize. I think there's a week left after this goes out. So, yes, 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 yes. Excellent. And uh, I just blanked out. Oh, we signed up for PodCoin today. So you can start listening to the podcast through that app and make money for listening to the podcast or others, but mostly ours. I think it's like every 10 minutes you get like a coin and you can turn it in for like Amazon gift cards, Starbucks gift cards, really good stuff. So you should uh, get right on that. Yes. I think that's how I'm going to start doing it. I don't know. Yeah. Listen to us and get Starbucks. Yes. Mm. Drink Starbucks for us. All right. And then follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Historical AF Pod. And if you want to follow us on our personal accounts, I am on Instagram at Kina Leanne. That's K-Y-N-A-L-E-A-N-N-E. I know. My name's hard. And then my Twitter is at Pirates With. So, Sweet. And then I am on Instagram at AJRulo, which is R-U-L-O. And on Twitter, I am librarian underscore AF. Yeah. I think that's it. So, yeah. So if you're on Patreon, go vote for our next topic. And we will be looking for that. Yeah. Be just keeping an eye out on all of our social media, interacting, posting more stuff. Until next time. Yeah, have a great week. We'll see you next week. We love you. Bye.